Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Live Thrivingly podcast. Today's guest was born in Maple Ridge, British Columbia, Canada. We crossed paths down at Lake Etalan in Guatemala, where we shared time at the Mystical Yoga Farm. There, he had a grounded presence and a generous soul, and I enjoyed the brief conversations we shared. It wasn't until the end of my time on the farm that I got more in-depth on his story, and once I learned what he had been through and the amazing things he was doing in the world, I knew I had to bring him on the show. His journey birthed from suffering and accumulated trauma paired with a near-death experience he had 10 days into his second prison sentence that forever changed his perspective on spirit. From there, a series of synchronistic events propelled his life in a whole new direction. Now known for using ancient techniques to solve modern problems, he is a YFL 50, a YT 200, accredited sound therapist, and certified in CPR and first aid. His offerings include a variety of massage and bodywork, sound therapy, microdose coaching, and plant medicine trip sitting, as well as yoga classes and personal training. I am so excited to share with you the one and only Devin Bennett. Welcome to the show, my man. Hi, Jackson. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to chat with you again. Yeah, so to just kind of get started here, you're stranded on an island. You get three items. What you got? Well, it's my yoga mat. <laughs> um, I think I'm a big believer that if we want inner peace, it's important that we have sacred space. And I'm able to roll my sacred space up into a little tube or sometimes fold it into a little square and bring it with me everywhere I go. So I find my my inner peace in my sacred space. So I definitely bring my yoga mat. Um, I'm guessing I bring some water purification tablets because I love water. I pray to it. I bless it. I believe hydrogen was the first element in the universe and it rebuilt it built the universe for us so i think we got to have that high h2o in there and my third item can i bring my mom <laughs> I, love I have a lovely mother and she cares for me still at 45 years old she's on the mainland still in vancouver area um but yeah if i could bring i know she's not an item she's a person but i would love to bring my mom as my third item <laughs> I don't know if anyone's ever given that one before. Um, but yeah, with some fresh water in my yoga mat, I love to fast. So I don't think I would need a third item. <laughs> yeah. And you'd have, hopefully this I island is abundant with adaptogenic mushrooms or something. So, Well, this one is, if you look behind me, I got lots. I picked some turkey tail mushrooms today as I went for a run. Powerful cancer fighters. Um, and there was a massive crop of turkey tails. So I'll be going back up there with my business partner to collect those and spore those out in the future. So cool. Yeah. So as I briefly spoke about in the intro about what led down, you down your path today, I would love to expand upon what has transpired to bring you where you are today. Well, um, I don't want to go too deep in it and take all your time, but I came from trauma. Just like you said, I was in a traumatic womb situation as I was, my mom was pregnant with me. My dad, who was a two-time Vietnam veteran and um, at that point hadn't gone to prison yet, kidnapped my older brother and took him to Arizona for three months. So as you could imagine, my mother was flooding cortisol and adrenaline and fear. And I developed a little different one, quite unbalanced from side to side. Um, and so my life started like that. And my mom convinced my dad to come home with my brother when I was born, had me in his arms, the story goes, handed me to my dad. And um, the United States um, police were there and they picked him up and took him back to the States and gave him 10 years in Walla Walla prison. Um, from there, I was very devoid of male energy. Um, so that's what I seeked out. Um, and people that gave it to me in my hometown as I grew older were the bikers. Um, if I would sell enough marijuana and eventually cocaine for them, they would give me the pat on the back and the attention that I thrive, like I desired so much um, and that we all need to grow properly. Um, so I quickly, when I was quite young, I got into selling marijuana and that became cocaine. 
Um, I had to hide my heroin use from the bikers because they didn't like that. Um, so that's where I got my male energy. And as you can imagine, as I went down that path, it's quite a traumatic path of being shot at and being, you know, always worried that you're going to get robbed and all these different things that come along with that kind of life. Um, it just was a traumatic life. And pair with that, um, I had a, my older brother when he was in grade school was hit by a fast moving truck incredibly brain damaged, flew 110 feet out of both of his shoes and left one of his socks in his shoe. So if you ever heard the term knock my socks off or knock your socks off, that's what they're talking about. He was in a coma for three months. He did have a miraculous recovery, but he recovered so much that they gave him his own life back. He moved into an apartment, started to smoke, eat processed foods and stay up all night. And after about 10 years, went back into seizures and now lives in a care home. So we sued the driver that hit my brother. We lost the lawsuit because my brother was at fault and our family's life savings. And people started to deliver casseroles and flowers. And because I was raised in the Western world of one life and one death, we became the victims of a horrible tragedy. And that was my inner monologue from that day on. I was the victim of tragedy. And as you probably know, we attract well, we attract things in life. So I went into life and sure enough, I attracted more victimization, right to the point of my incarceration, my second incarceration. And in my second incarceration, um, I went in without an active methadone prescription. I was addicted to heroin and cocaine and cigarettes and I smoked crack. And when I got in, I was a hundred pounds overweight. And because I was trafficking drugs and guns, I didn't get my methadone prescription that week. I had a fridge full of methadone because I was doing heroin instead. And um, so they detoxed me cold turkey. They gave me one Valium a day for the first week and one antacid as I was in Wilkinson Road Prison here in Victoria, in, on Vancouver Island in Victoria. Um, and I would guess around day seven, it's kind of a blur, five to seven, the other general population inmates told the, the CEO that the CEO that they better get me off the range. I was vomiting all night. I was in the to on the toilet constantly. I was in just hell on earth. And so they decided for my own safety to take me out of general population. Um, I refused to go to protective custody. So instead, they put me in observations. And for anyone who's been to prison or even just been to jail, observations is much like county jail, where you have a, your toothbrush is a stick with a piece of sponge on it because they don't want you to kill yourself with a toothbrush. You don't get a bed. You lay on a mattress on the floor and there is absolutely no stimulation and you're being videotaped the whole time. So I would guess around day 10, as I was laying on the ground, vomiting, uh, laying in it, um, something, something wild happened. Um, what I first thought was a psychiatric break. Um, my soul decided that my body was too sick to be on the ride anymore. And the next thing I knew, I was on the roof of the prison cell and I was looking down at my body but the word looking isn't the right word because looking requires eyeballs. And my eyeballs were still in my body. I was intuiting. And where I was used to seeing meat and flesh, I now saw chakras. I saw meridians. I saw the, the shiatsu points of acupuncture. And I, I, didn't, I could just see my energy body. My chakras were spinning incredibly slowly. I was almost vibrating at the same level as the concrete that I was laying on. That's how close to death I had come. And I still was connected by the silver umbilical cord. So I was still connected to my vessel. So I didn't fully leave my vessel at that point, but I was free and I was free from my inner monologue. And I didn't realize I developed the victim inner monologue um, until I was free from my inner monologue which was quite healing and actually led me towards yoga and meditation a year later. Um, but as I was free, I kind of like had a moment where I was like, oh, my Lord, what is going on? And I looked around again, looked isn't the exact right word, um, but I looked around and there was souls in levels. If you ever heard of Young's ideas of collective consciousness, here's my family my community, and it went outwards like that. 
And I'm kind of freaking out at this point. Um, but two souls come forward. And I want to say they were not formless, but they weren't bodied, embodied. Um, and I knew right away it was my grandpa's. Um, my grandpa's had been long deceased. Um, my grandpa Jack, not even being my biological grandfather, just being someone that adopted my father when he was young. And there they were. And um, we had a conversation without words. And essentially, they told me, you're, you're coming with us. And the first place they took me was above the guards tower. Um, well, they call it the bubble in jail. It's where the guards have safety. And there's two guards there. And I don't see their bodies. I see their energy bodies, which are quite vibrant, healthy. And I'm guessing they might have been playing cards. Um, and I could see the energy going back and forth between them. And I didn't know about this kind of energy. I was raised in a family without religion. We talked about science mostly. My brother had this brain injury, really got into brain health. And so I didn't see bodies. And I saw the energy. Um, I realized I'd become a bit of an energy vampire as I went into rooms and told my sad story to get attention. Um, and what happened, the next thing that happened is, if you hear, you probably heard people say their life flashes before their eyes. I'll give you a little bit more clarity around that. They brought me on a life review and they're like, here's your life. And it was without time, which was a beautiful realization that we only experienced time here. Um, I was timeless. And not only could I see my life in review, I could see the entire universe evolve from a single element, hydrogen, like I said earlier, um, the lightest element in the periodic table. And I knew how perfection, consciousness created hydrogen and programmed it to evolve back to love and light again. So I got to see that only to the time where I was at. I was not able to see the future. I was only able to see a few of my last lives. I could see the evolution of hydrogen. I built a personal development program to help people use this in their lives to increase their vibration and get in alignment with evolution so they can experience miracles like I am now. Um, but what was what I couldn't be the victim of my life anymore. If you ever get to see your life in review, you, you will not be the victim of your life anymore. I could see the first time I snuck down as a child, opened the fridge and stole icing off the cake. I like to say that was my first crime, grand theft icing. <laughs> I could see every time I like took from the bulk bin and thought no one was watching, karma was watching. And every time that I acted from my ego, I acted selfishly instead of from my soul selflessly, which only happened a handful of times in my whole life before that, that I was selfless instead of selfish. Um, every time I acted selfishly, if you were to think of your life like an arc line, there's these many options, these many dimensions, I would go down, down, down. And what I ended up is in the lower dimensions. I like to call them accident, injury, illness. I wasn't quite an illness, but I was living in these lower vibrations from selfish decisions. Um, so what I realized is that like the um, Radiohead song goes, you do it to yourself. <laughs> you do. <laughs> and that's what I realized. I'd done it to myself. I was in that prison cell because I had been selfish. I had acted from my ego. I had discarded the quiet whisper of my soul and I had made selfish decisions and I had earned myself um, that right where I was. The days before I was blaming the officer that arrested me, she did this and I was blaming everyone else in my mind for my predicament and my situation. But after seeing my life in review, I could no longer be the victim of my life. So my grandfathers, after showing me my life, they also stopped at another part. When I was in just out of high school, I got into this group of all natural bodybuilders called Team Hero. And Team Hero's goal was to go to high schools. And they wanted to teach kids about all natural bodybuilding. And we were just about ready to go. And they cornered me one day and they said, hey, we can't bring you. And I said, why? I've been working out. I'm healthy. They're like, well, you're selling drugs. We can't have you get on the stage and tell these kids not to do drugs and then meet them in your car and sell them drugs. So they kicked me off the team. My grandfather's froze time, essentially, there. Like, hey, this is it. This is a very crucial and pivotal point in your life in which you went in the wrong direction. 
And uh, I'm happy to say that since then, synchronistically, I've had two opportunities to speak to youths um, about um, being healthy and yoga. So if you ever missed the train like me, don't worry. You get another chance at it once you get back into those three upper dimensions. And the three upper dimensions I call coincidence. And if you can get into coincidence and you follow it, it becomes synchronicity. And if you can stay with synchronicity, that highest dimension is miracles. And I love living in this dimension. <laughs> I meet people like you, um, things, good things happen. Um, you know, it's just a fantastic place to be. Now, these lower dimensions, accident, injury, illness, they're necessary. This is where we learn lessons. We drop into these dimensions. We come to the earth school. Um, we choose to come to the earth school. It's my belief to learn lessons. And what happens is these accidents, injuries, and illness are the only place where we learn lessons. But what I realized myself is when we find ourselves in the dimensions of lessons, all we need to do is get back to what we're grateful for. Practice gratitude. A practice of gratitude will bring us back up into the dimension of synchronicity, coincidence, and miracles. Um, so I am a master of gratitude. I practice gratitude every day. I write things I'm grateful for. I even write what I call shadow gratitudes, what I'll be grateful for when it arrives. <laughs> um, so I really believe that when we practice gratitude and we master gratitude, we can get in line with billions of years of evolution of hydrogen becoming helium, becoming lithium, beryllium, um, all of this evolution that's been happening for billions of years before humans even got here, we can be in alignment with billions of years of evolution if we practice gratitude. And then we see these synchronicities, these coincidences, these miracles that happen in life. Um, so yeah, trauma got me to where I was. Um, and spirituality has taken me the study of spirituality has taken me to where i am in this moment uh, happy and healthy and feeling really good there's a lot more trauma that was hiding in there um but i'm still working through some of it uh, i really believe we hold our issues in our tissues like we store that trauma we store um obligation in our shoulders we store hurt around our heart abandonment and tolerance shows up in our belly and fear lands in our hips and um, as a yoga practitioner of ashtanga yoga the primary series of ashtanga yoga deals with mostly forward folds and in forward folds we let go of the past and until we can regain mobility and flexibility in the back line of our body letting go of the past we're not really ready for the second series which is back bending and the front line of the body is all about coming forward authentically as ourself. So once we've let go of the past, we can start to come forward authentically as ourselves as we backbend. And right now I'm trying to unlock the front of my hips. So as you can imagine, some very unique trauma stores in that part of our body. Um, so I'm uh, still a work in progress. I'm on the earth school with you. Um, so I'm still a work in progress here and uh, I'm still unfreeing up some trauma and as it comes up, I'm having I'm uh, having some repressed memories come forward of some really young childhood stuff that I don't want to say shouldn't have happened because I don't want to shit on myself. Um, but some stuff that um, some lessons, some really big lessons. Mm -hmm. So thank you for asking. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that and for the the depth that you took us to in that and, and the lessons you you wove throughout that. Uh really loved everything you shared. And you've already kind of hit on a few of the questions I look to go into uh, further in this episode. So we're definitely synced up on that. Beautiful. Yeah. So when you were speaking about um, your life review and where your grandfathers were taking you and you saw this this energy transaction that you hadn't really uh, recognized before or really understood, how does that now help you interact with other people and relationships and understand this this transaction human to human? Mm. Well, um, I really like the the quote that uh, people won't always remember what you say but they'll always remember how you made them feel. And um, so I, I try to, when I move into a space, I know I have a story that can, 
that broad draws people in and it actually encourages others to share their story because I do my best to share it vulnerably and open. Um, but what I think when I go into rooms now, palms facing up, I just pointed, I know that's not a great way to uh, make friends. I try to have a very open posture. Um, and I try to, um, when I do share of my, of the trauma I've been through, I always try to point it back to the light. I also like the saying that, um, you know, you can bring darkness into a room full of light and the light doesn't really mind. But if you bring a little light into a room full of darkness, whew, that darkness flees. So I try to bring light to situations, levity, comedy. I like to laugh. I like to smile. Um, so now I'm very mindful of my own control drama. For those that are familiar with the Celestine prophecies and the four control dramas of how we control energy, the poor me, the aloof, the interrogator, and the intimidator. I'm the aloof. My mother was an interrogator because I was such a little shit excuse my language <laughs> she used to be like where were you how long were you there for who were you with how can you prove this so i became like <laughs> so when i go into my control drama when i'm in low energy i'll go aloof um so i'm very mindful when i learned this information and read the celestine prophecies a funny thing happened i went out and pointed my finger at everyone you're an interrogator you're an intimidator you're a poor me and then one day that finger went <laughs> and began to point back at me. And I realized that um, this lesson was for me about my control drama, how I control energy and when I'm in low energy, where I will go. So if I find myself sulking in a corner or not speaking my truth, I'll start to get sore throats. I'll start to get lymph node issues and I'll start to clear my throat often. Mashuda will uh, start to lock up on me. Um, so if I notice any of these symptoms, me not speaking my truth or like throat issues, I know that um, I'm um, off my habits. I'm shifting energetically into lower vibrational states. So I'm just mindful not to shift into my own control drama. Yeah, thanks for illuminating that. And when you do find yourself in those those states of low energy and things, um, through all the practices you have, they, they act as tools also, I, I guess, to help you uh, fill back up that well and, and get yourself back in, in alignment. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I have a handful of tools in my tool belt. I like to say that uh, we all have two options for tools in our tool belt. Um, one we should leave in childhood. It's the tool of blame. It's someone else's fault. Um, I prefer the sharpened tool of personal responsibility. This is no one's fault but my own. And from that place of personal responsibility, I go into, first of all, my habit of communing with nature. Um, for I had a herniated disc. I fell while doing a psychedelic retreat in Jamaica. It was a four-day retreat. And on day five, instead of doing me, I decided to continue to serve. And while running down the stairs to get someone something, I slipped and I herniated a disc in my back. So I spent about three weeks bent over like an old man. It's kind of funny when I'm in high energy, I'm my grandpa Jack. And when I go into low energy, I become my grandpa Ralph. The two that came and visited me, um, they taught me so much about um, avoiding discomfort. Um, but so I had this herniated disc in my back. And as it started to get better, I had to go in for hernia surgery, which is a different surgery. But um, so I spent a lot of time. Um, universe wanted me to slow down a little. Um, and I spent a lot of time in a very low energy state. Um, so for once I was able to get my yoga practice to fix my body, that's my real good tool. Yoga is an amazing way to just scoop energy out of the universe and just drink it right in. Um, so my yoga practice helped to uh, repair my body and then my communing with nature. Um, I've been running daily up to well, almost daily up to Ammonite Falls, this beautiful waterfall in my hometown here of Nanaimo. Um, I like how you said it, Nanaimo, because it's from uh, First Nations word Sanaimo. So you almost nailed it. You're right. That was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I, so I ran up to this beautiful waterfall and I'll soak in the cold water um, just to work on my Ujjayi, Ujjayi Pranayama, my warming victorious breath keep my temperature and um, found those turkey tail mushrooms. So um, communion with nature, 
was a, is a beautiful way that I rebuild my energy. There is a famous physicist named Hubert Reeves, and he had a quote that was so profound that it sticks with me to this day. And that quote was, man is the most insane species. He worships an invisible God and destroys a visible nature. Totally unaware of the nature he's destroying. Well, it's the God he's worshiping. <laughs> so uh, I go and I uh, connect with source in nature, work on my breathing, my pranayama, and um, get that yoga mat out. So those habits uh, always bring me right back up to the high vibrational state. Of course, mastering thought when we're in pain, right? There's so much thinking involved in pain. How can I get out of this pain? How can I get out of this pain? Um, and being able to silence the mind has it's been such a gift. My mind was my devil before my near-death experience. I experienced absolute hell on earth as I detoxified off about five or six years of methadone. It was right in my bones for 30 days. I didn't sleep. I vomited. I did all kinds. Of, yeah, it was horrific. Um, it was my, I believe hell on earth is when um, we're not uptaking endorphins properly. When either our opioid receptor is blocked through toxification or like what happened to me, I had that as well as I had added opiates to my system so much that my brain and central nervous system was like, we don't need to make endorphins anymore. He'll be bringing some more in four to six hours. And then I wasn't able to bring any more in when I was detoxified in prison. So I experienced pure hell on earth and had the realization that heaven on earth is just when all of our neural cocktail is firing on all cylinders and our body, our vessel is clean enough to uptake that, that cocktail. Um, we can experience heaven on earth. And um, yeah, I really went to hell when I did this to myself. And um, so, yeah, a big thing for me as well. Uh, one of my habits is cleansing. When I get into low vibrational states, I'll fire up the juicer. I've made a combination I call the belly brush. <laughs> um, and I will juice that daily um, until the inflammation comes out of my intestinal tract. It can suck that Uriana Ban, that belly button into the spine again. That heart lifts, the shoulders roll back. And as I told you, Jackson, about the two, the, the lower dimensions, the three lower dimensions, accident, injury, and illness, and the higher dimensions, um, coincidence, synchronicity, and miracles. I believe this is pretty esoteric, but I believe those dimensions are only this far apart. And when we drop those shoulders, we drop down into that lower vibration. We're more likely to have an accident. We're more likely to have an injury. If we hang out here, it becomes illness. But when we go up like this, we engage Banda, as we say in yoga. We squeeze the deep muscles in the hips. We invite the belly button in. We roll the shoulders back. We extend through hasta and pada, the hands and the feet. Boom, we're right back up in those higher vibrational states again. So I really think there's a very little gap between uh, heaven and hell. Wow. So much wisdom in this. And thank you for sharing your your habits that can that can really fill your cup back up when you need to. And I, I love to go into nature as well. And it's just right there off our doorstep. It doesn't matter um, where we're at. You know, we can always we can always find Mother Earth somewhere, even if it's just a small patch when you're in the city or like where you are on Vancouver Island, um, this beautiful paradise full of wilderness. So yes. I think she has so much to to bring us um, back to healing. I totally agree where I do my um, trip sitting. I always um, have the sound therapy instruments in there, the singing bowls under the bed, the gongs on either side, um, the Japanese bowls up top, the chimes, the tuning forks. But I always ensure that I have at least a half dozen plants in there as well. Bright, green, luscious, beautiful plants. And um, it's wild to, um, as they transition into the state, uh, the psychedelic state, I always do a little as well, a microdose or um, always not enough subperceptual to some level. Um, but it's like watching those plants come alive. They're like, how can I help? <laughs> and they are just there to help the experience. So I definitely think if you're not, if you're in a city and you don't have the gift of nature around you, like we do here on Vancouver Island, just the right plants around you can give you that energetic transaction as well. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I just got back from spending a good amount of time in the sacred valley of peru which is just such an abundant healing place and full of so many herbs and medicinal plants and in these 
beautiful eucalyptus trees that uh just the the sound of them in the wind is so beautiful and and you know smelling their essence is just so healing for the lungs but when i just came home my mom had been completely redoing the landscaping here at the house and we have plants inside now and plants outside and it has been so great for my integration to go to those plants and to water in the yard and to ground in the grass and walk through the garden beautiful yes i love gardening i have a tiny little garden in my backyard and my peas are like this tall and i got a celery going for those that don't know every time you juice a celery you cut the bottom off and just soak it in water on your windowsill. Another celery will pop right out of it. So I got one on my windowsill right now. And I got a couple out back with some strawberries and potatoes. And um, I hope the deers don't eat them in again this year. I don't like to eat meat, but um, you know what? If they eat my vegetables one more year, I might have to eat deer this year. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned um, that you held a psilocybin retreat in jamaica uh and you shared a little bit when we were together about how that how that went uh would you like to share a little bit more about kind of the outcome of that retreat and and some of the transformation that people went through yeah i would absolutely love to um so i have a dear friend named troy troy used to live here in vancouver island in ladysmith and when everything changed in the world there he decided to go back to Jamaica, where he'd spent so much time over the years. He had a big dream of a Jamaica VIP, he called it, which was um, a tours, tourism service where he took people to all these little paradises that he knew in Jamaica. And he'd always call me on WhatsApp at the most random times and always on a voice like a video call. And he would say, Devin, I want to have a yoga retreat, man. I need a yoga master. Come out and hold retreat. Come on. I need you. I need you. And I'd always say yes. Um, I love him dearly. He's got a heart of gold, this man. He just wants to be of service. And um, so he had been bog bug picking at me to come out to Jamaica. And then um, one day he called and he said, Devin, I met a mycologist. Um, and this mycologist owns 400 acres on the White River in Ocho Rios. And he does something called jungle therapy, where he takes people into the jungle that are suffering or you know, a few people that have been close to taking their own lives. And he gives them massive doses of sacred sun, this beautiful mushroom that he took years to cultivate. And um, he does it right before the fireflies come out. And I'd only seen, I don't even know if I'd really seen fireflies in real life before. Um, phosphorescence, but I don't think I'd ever seen like a massive amount of fireflies before. So one day he called me and uh, told me about the mycologist and I'm like, wow, Troy, this is super synchronistic. I have just began to microdose coach people. I've got a big thing of mushrooms that I was um, given not as a gift, but as a very affordable gift. So what I decided to do with them is grind them all up, buy vegan gel caps and start handing them out to my friends who were suffering. Um, along as that book, Celestine Prophecies, I told you about with the control dramas. So I handed out all of these mushrooms to the people that I love and care for and people that I met that were suffering. And um, one of the first few of them was um, a lady whose daughter had taken her own life and she was in incredible grief. She's running a retreat now, Ryoga for Grievers. Um, and she um, was quite impressed and um, wanted to give back to me. So what she did is she built me a Google My Business website for both my massage and sound therapy business and for microdosing mushrooms in Nanaimo. And um, the phone just began to ring. It was super awesome. So I began to coach people in the use of microdose mushrooms. And one of my very first clients, um, when I got from the website, actually decided after about 60 days of doing my program, he'd had a workplace injury as a diesel mechanic. And he told me in our consultation that he was arguing with his boss. He was arguing with the compensation, workers' compensation. He was arguing with his wife. His life was miserable. And he had watched Fantastic Fun Guy with Paul Stamets, who lives here on the island, um, one of the little islands here. And so we Googled microdosing. Up comes my little Google My Business website. He calls me. We meet for a consultation, and he takes the program. And um, he calls me maybe 60 days later, sorry, he wrote me and he told me that he was not arguing with his wife anymore. He wasn't arguing with the compensation board. He'd come to terms with the compensation board and he decided to quit his job. 
and he wanted to be a mycologist. And he built a laboratory in his home and he wanted to supply me with very discount mushrooms. Um, so we started doing that for a while. And then again, he said to me, you know what? Let's make a product line. So he started to make lion's mane tinctures for me, um, brain boosters, lion's mane and psychedelics together. We have our flagship, the microdose product. We have spores now. Um, so he decided to make all this product and put me in charge of um, getting a local printer to do the printing, a local artist to do the labels. Um, I do the sales part of it. So I go to fairs and do sales. Um, so that was very synchronistic. So right away, I said, okay, Troy, let's do this. I'll come to Jamaica. I'll hold ceremony for you because I just spent a lot of time at the mystical yoga farm uh, sitting in ceremony. Um, so I flew out to Jamaica. Um, we had six people show up for the first retreat, um, which was four days. Um, we did intention setting in the first introductions in the first day and intention setting. The second day, we did minor ingestion, microdosing, just to see how everyone did with the product to make sure that no one was experiencing anxiety or anything. A few people showed some markers um, of glutamate levels in their brain changing too quickly. So we dosed them with diet. We gave them pumpkin pie. We gave them um, all kinds of beta carotene and vitamin A to get that anxiety out of them. And then in day three, we went into the jungles of Ocho Rios. Um, we sat in ceremony. We used a uh, beautiful Vancouver Island white sage. We had the gongs and the singing bowls, which were quite a travel companion for me. <laughs> um, and we had a magical experience. I had never been in um, with thousands of fireflies. I, again, only microdosed. Um, but if you've ever sat in ceremony with people on a hero dose, you feel it. <laughs> it is as if you are on the mushrooms with them. So we gave, we did hero doses. Um, some went far past the hero dose. Um, and it was quite a magical experience. I could not wipe the smile off my face as the fireflies flew around. And um, what we ended up with for people even in the second retreat as well, were um, a lot of people from the USA. And I believe, um, um, some things have been added to our food supply in North America in the last 20 years that have taken us from fit to fat, from high vibration to lower vibration. So a lot of people um, in the first one, nobody really had too much issues um, with medication. So they at the Hero Dose, they had wildly transformative experience. One lady has done a testimonial for us that she hasn't experienced any anxiety since. Um, another one has wrote articles for Psychedelic Spotlight about the experience, um, how wonderful the experience was for her. Um, so the first one was incredibly magical. Um, we had a great experience on day four. We did integration. We took a boat cruise and went out to beaches and read our intentions and integrated the experience. Now, I like to say integration is a process, not a destination. We don't get to integration, so we started integration, <laughs> um, and it was uh, it was magical, so uh, so good that um, we did it again. Like I think about six weeks later, um, I have to tell you, the second experience was quite different. The second experience, um, the people that read the articles um, were um, the majority of them on incredible amounts of um, pharmaceuticals. They were already modulating the receptors in their brain that we planned to modulate. Um, and so when we got them into the jungle, most of them at the hero dose had very little experience. So we did increase dose um, until we got them to the place where they wanted to be. Um, but I would say the worst, um, I don't like to call fungus drug, but the worst drug I came, came up against in the second experience was sugar. These kind of um, heavy, heavy people from the USA um, that were quite, quite, quite medicated. Um, their blood sugars were their worst enemy. And we brought down with us vegan stew from a beautiful restaurant called Calabash in uh, Jamaica. If you ever get a chance to go to Calabash, it's an incredible vegan restaurant. We brought beautiful vegan stew for them into the jungle, but it wasn't loaded with sugar and preservatives. So they just weren't interested in it. Um, and uh, we had to take two people out of the jungle early. Um, one man came without his blood sugar stuff. 
Um, he, when he got back to the resort, he only tested his blood sugar tested fine. I believe him and his wife had a control drama that they worked on and they decided to use it to manipulate us to take them out of the jungle. Um, but I got to stay with the other participants while they got taken out of the jungle. And I got to sit with them in integration and we got to chat and um, I'm still in contact with a few of them in regards to um, personal training and getting them off the sugar roller coaster that they live on. Um, so the second experience um, was a deep reminder for me um, to be of service, but only to give from a full cup. I had, um, on the fifth day after I'd served for four days, it was my time. I shortened my practice. Um, my yoga practice on day five, my self practice. And I'd been doing a lot of forward folding for the four days with them because they all had a lot of tension in the back line. So I was skipping my back bending. Um, and then I took that slip and I herniated the disc in my spine. I had another small injury to my thumb while I was in the jungle as well. So I had to sit with that when I flew home with the long flights home. And I realized that the universe was telling me that, um, um, that that chapter of my life, um, maybe just maybe not closed, but it was time to um, to move in a different direction. Um, the universe had plans for me, though, when I got home to people that had been following along online, um, decided to reach out to me about Taido's trip sitting with them. Um, one of them in a weird synchronicity, I met in a stopover on the Calgary airport, which is a province over. And uh, they were like, what are you doing here? I've been following you online. And in another synchronicity, one of their family members ended up being our printer for the labels and had already done the windows for my yoga studio. So tons of synchronicity and coincidence happening here. Um, and yeah, so I'm, I've transitioned um, to sitting this, the large ceremonies to doing one-on-one -on -one trip sitting with the sound therapy and massage now. And I'm, I'm very happy I did so. I always thought the second retreat, we had eight people. I always thought sitting for eight people in the jungle would be harder than sitting for one person one-on-one. -on -one. I was totally incorrect. <laughs> uh, doing the solo journeys is, uh, is much uh, more taxing. Um, yeah, it was, uh, but it's um, good work. It's also fulfilling. Um, so the, the, the retreats were beautiful. They're still doing them. They found a new yoga teacher and ceremony holder. Um, I think her name is Mama Ora. Uh, Mama Ora has been taking care of the ceremony and the yoga um, in Jamaica for them as they continue forward. MyceliaJM.com if you want to sign up. Um, and yeah, so I've been just uh, staying at home. Like yesterday I had, I um, set up a tent at Pride. I'm a huge supporter. And um, one of my people that came up to my tent um, asked for massage and they came for massage yesterday, decided to sign up for microdosing and another massage and want to do a trip sitting. So it just seems to be um, kind of, you know, it's finding its own way here. I don't seem to be efforting for this. I just, um, I just relax into it. I write my daily affirmations. I say my prayers. And no matter what happens during the day, I just tell myself, this is my dreams coming true. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you. So cool. And yeah, just thank you for for all that you're doing in this world and for holding space for all these people and for for bringing uh you know more people to psilocybin and and in a very grounded and and educated and safe way yeah i like to say that they're the perfect medicine i love um i i love experiencing um the really powerful psychedelics with our friends at the yoga like with our other friends at the yoga farm um and you know um there's so much need for that um kind of thing where we have their our shaman and we have our teachers and we have them make the medicine for us but with the mushrooms they're just perfect they don't you don't even need to dry them you just got to find a pile of poop somewhere <laughs> find a, find the growing like where they're growing and identify them properly and they're just the perfect medicine as they are they're just uh yeah they're just ready to go the universe has made them ready to transform us i'm a big uh, believer in the stone ape theory have you heard that theory yeah. jackson that our consciousness evolved from the consumption of these mushrooms. And I really, really, really believe that, that the reason, one of the ways that we evolved to this, um, well, I'll hash it up, I'll air quote evolved species. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, one of the reasons we've evolved to language, which I believe is what keeps what the difference between us and the rest of the animal kingdom, 
why we can co-create like God, like God's, is the gift of our word. Um, and I believe we develop language um, through that stoned ape theory, through the consumption of these psychedelics. Yeah, and I love that you you do microdosing and you get people interested in that and you even do one-on-ones with them as as a coach throughout their process because it's a great way to um, get acquainted with with psychedelics and for people that you know may have never tried them or only heard things about them and might be kind of scared to do a bigger dose like it is a great way to acquaint yourself right absolutely and what it is is a great doorway too um a lot of them have come to yoga now too i really believe that um we have a lot of people have um over exercised half of their brain we have these two very distinct hemispheres in our brain. Our left side hemisphere, right side hemisphere, it's very creative and compassionate. So if we're left-handed, we're really exercising that right brain. And I find people that get over-exercised in that right brain, they just want to paint or play their guitar all day, which is lovely. You know, nothing wrong with that. People that are right-handed often over-exercise their left brain and they just want to consume information and argue and be right all the time. I like to joke, the left side brain, it just wants to be right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and very little of what we do in life crosses the center line anymore. In yoga, we're always crossing the center line, right? We're forcing this communication between the hemispheres of the brain so that creative and compassionate side, it can shake hands and talk with that analytical, that language-based side. Um, but if we're not getting this kind of activity into our lives, what we have is a one-sided character. What we can become is a one-sided character. Um, so microdosing, um, there's a beautiful kind of scan out there that I'm quite a fan of. The, I'm struggling with the guy who pioneered it and gives it um, the most information about it. Um, just some of his information doesn't align with my truth. Um, but what it's called is spec scan. And if I remember correctly, spec scan is single proton emission collection. And what they do is, I don't know how smart this is, but they inject participants with a radioactive isotope and they can essentially see their brain in real time. And when we sit around indoors, let's say you're left-handed like me, your right brain's getting some activity and there's some activity that kind of goes like this across the back, but the other side's just sitting dormant. 20 minute walk in nature will light the other side up as well. Um, but there's not a lot of communication happening across the hemispheres for most people. But after about 20 days of microdosing, something magical happens. All of a sudden, shoom, these new neural pathways start to form. Um, we blended our microdose with lion's mane because lion's mane has a neurotrophic factor. So not only are you shaking hands, you're growing new cells as well. You're making some new energy in there. So these new connections are formed after about 20 days and we just we become more whole and complete. We just become a more a less of a one sided character. We become a more whole and complete human being because our brain is doing what it was meant to do, what it's supposed to do. Activity across the hemispheres. So I love watching that. Around 20 days, I sometimes will re-meet with people and it's like an Instagram filter has gone on life for them. All of a sudden, they're seeing the synchronicity. They're seeing the positive coincidences. And um, it's been really fulfilling um, to get to guide people on this journey and to get them on the mat, to get them using these plant medicines. Yeah, that's amazing. And I I'm, I love the whole idea of neuroplasticity, or not the idea, the actual science of neuroplasticity. And then not just understanding it from a theoretical viewpoint, but actually experiencing it for yourself, you know, drinking uh, or taking lion's mane. Uh, drinking cacao, you know, anything that has these psychoactive substances to whatever threshold, you know, that they can bring you to. It's, it's so cool. And the meditation and the yoga and how just our ability to sit still and mindfully meditate over time and be aware of our senses bridges that gap of the corpus callosum between the left and the right hemisphere. And we have the ability to do this. And we always have, we've just I think forgotten sometimes how to do it. And I think your phrase with, you know, using ancient techniques to solve modern problems is, is bridging that gap, you know, in a, in a, in all like within the body and outside collectively, like in the world. Absolutely. Well, my um, experience, like I told you earlier, I was kind of became the victim of life after my brother was hit by a fast moving car. 
Um, but he was hit so fast, so hard that his head went through the radiator, sorry, through the grill and two inches into the radiator before he flew 110 feet out of both of his shoes, leaving one of his socks behind. And his front of his brain, the filter was destroyed. Actually, if you think of your uh, dendrites in your brain, um, the, the neurons, they don't actually connect. There's synapses, there's little gaps. And this is our thoughts and these are our memories. And then imagine he lost almost all memory. Um, he did remember our cat and tears for fears. <laughs> so music and love, right? He remembered music and he remembered love. Um, but he lost all his memory and he had no frontal lobe. So he was brought to the Sunny Hill Children's Hospital where they created in the 80s, 1986, the year that we had Expo here in Canada, Vancouver. They created the perfect conditions for neuroplasticity. And his brain eventually was able to take another part of his brain and rewire it into his uh, frontal cortex. For a while, it was hard. We'd take him to the mall and when you don't have a filter. And um, being a young man, a sexual age, every time he would see a beautiful woman, he would, hey, nice breasts. Or he would just, it would come right out. Um, but eventually his brain was able to use this neuroplasticity. My mom used to tell me as a kid, don't do drugs because you lose your brain cells and they never grow back. My mom was right on 99% of things. <laughs> that one she missed a little. Yeah. Um, but they, they just didn't have the tech technology yeah. then to see the growth around the hippocampus and the growth in the center of the brain. Um, so he was able to rewire his brain. Once they created the perfect conditions for neuroplasticity, his brain went out and rewired, turned another part of his brain into the filter. And eventually he could just go out and have conversation. And, um, yeah, before he, before he went into bad habits and damaged his brain again, second time through poor habits, um, he was able to rebuild the filter and rebuild his brain. He actually got so healthy that he ran onto the stage after first they told us he was going to be a quadriplegic when he was in the coma. And he started to wiggle his fingers. And then, you know, doctors, well, then he's gonna be a paraplegic, started to wiggle his toes. <laughs> and then eventually he ran onto the stage at the Sunny Hill Hospital Children's Charity Drive. Um, one leg kind of always limped. Um, he had to wear a brace, but he ran onto the stage and there wasn't a dry eye in the house. I think they raised a couple million dollars back then, which actually meant something in the 80s. Um, and in a weird synchronicity, um, a guy that I've worked with for about 12 years in my current job, his daughter had a son that has cerebral palsy. And he went to the same hospital called Sick Kids now. And he is the poster child for this hospital. Again, I walked into work one day and there's a poster that looked just like my brother was as a kid. And instead of my brother being in the picture, it is uh, Nathan, this young man that is so powerful and strong with cerebral palsy, but like he's the heart of a lion and he is um, rewiring his brain and he is um, going to walk. He's destined to walk. He will not take no for an answer. And his fierce heart is carrying him through this. And again, he's getting to experience the beauty of neuroplasticity. So, so awesome. It's And it's funny that sometimes it takes us to are to the event in our lives where we get in a car accident or we're diagnosed with cancer or something to really show up and realize like, oh, wow, you know, I can rewire my brain. I can heal my body, you know, from the ground up. We have the capacity, but, you know, sometimes when life is just uh, rather mundane and we're just kind of going through the motions, we we don't really put forth the effort to study or to research or to get outside the comfort zone and try something like that. So I think a big message always is to, you know, even if everything's fine in your life right now, but how can you, you know, begin to do these little things that can help you, you know, have a healthier body, have a healthier brain, you know, have more connection to spirit. Absolutely. I've um, a friend of mine has sold me a habit board lately. So for the summer, I get my daughter. She lives on the mainland during the school year. And uh, we have a daddy daughter habit board. And on that board, we are picking the habits that are best for neuroplasticity. We're spending time in nature, meditation, we're eating our fruits and vegetables, we're getting those uh, antioxidants in, those polyphenols, all those lovely little things that like to go in and energize us and rebuild us. Yeah, that's so awesome. Uh, so 
As a massage therapist, uh, just kind of switching gears here, how important yeah. is a bodywork massage for our body and, and how often should we be getting uh, work like this done to our bodies? Well, that's a little different from everyone. I've learned as a yoga teacher that um, I come up against, I don't want to pray with too broad of a brush, but two body types. Um, we have, and I really believe it has to do with how we deal with trauma or how we're taught to deal with trauma as children. Um, the male body type is most likely has internally rotating hips. So it's the closed body type. It wants to store energy. It wants to store everything. Um, the external rotating hips of women, mostly women. Um, I know a man that can do full box splits. So he's got externally rotating hips. Um, if you ever meet a woman with internally rotating hips that's had childbirth, that's going to be a scary story for you. <laughs> um, but yes, so the open body type, it doesn't seem to hold tension. It, um, but hand, like it is very important to have personal touch, to have touch. Um, but with me, I'm deep tissue. I'm going in there and I'm trying to weed out tension. So the open body type, it needs to build strength. So I'd rather see them doing chaturanga. Uh, more often than the, the the deep tissue massage. The closed body type, the internally rotating hips, it needs length instead of strength. It has strength. It's not worried about getting injured. If, if you find your body, either that or your high kapha, kapha dosha, and your body likes to store energy, I think massage is super important, especially if you're not a yoga practitioner. Um, I encourage a lot of my people to come every two weeks just because a lot can happen in two weeks traumatically. And if we learn to process trauma well as children, often we don't store tension. We don't hold any issues in our tissues. So the massage is lovely. It's nice. Human contact so important. They did a horrible study. I think it was in the 20s where they didn't hug babies. They didn't give babies contact. And those babies deceased or deceased. Like, wow, thanks, science. <laughs> um, but like it just shows the importance of human contact, like having having touch um, with massage. I incorporate massage and sound therapy together. I like to get the closed body open and then use vibration to bang out and move through anything that's stuck in the body. Um, and having a skilled masseur or masseuse in your life uh, that knows where we're holding trauma and how we hold trauma at what portion um, can also help us heal spiritually. Um, I, I, I use story to teach, but my friend that had that lost the child, um, she came in with horrible wrist issues um, last week and was worried she would have to quit doing the chaturangas because she had so much pain in her arm. And we talked about what's holding on, what's she grasping at right now. And her husband wants to move um, from the house where that happened. And she would have to move through the possessions and she would have to let go. And as she teared up and went through that emotion, she realized the reduction in the pain. So, you know, we can deal with things on a physical level, but I'll pretty much, I'll pretty much guarantee you there will occur. But if we deal with things on an emotional, a psycho-spiritual level, on an energetic level, then we learn the lesson. We get out of that painful vibration of accident, injury, illness, and we come back with that lesson. So I think, um, yeah, every couple of weeks is fantastic if we can afford it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would say whenever you get an opportunity to get body work, if you are working a, like a regular job or you're working often and you are accumulating money on a bank account, on a screen somewhere, I would encourage you to exchange some of those numbers on the screen for some real hands-on experience. Um, because a good massage can bring our vibration up. It can help us to learn about ourselves. It can be a spiritual learning experience of another person with a stomach issue. And when I told them that abandonment intolerance is held in the belly, they immediately knew exactly in their childhood what had what had caused this injury and why it kept recurring. I can't tell you if they've healed it since then. Um, we did some work with the singing bowls on the belly and the lower chakra singing bowls on the belly and some vibrational work. Um, but I, um, I'm sure if they walk down this path, continue to walk this path and see it instead of a physical issue, but as an energetic issue, that it will resolve. Um, like I told you that the universe started as hydrogen and evolved forward. We are the microcosm of that. We started in our mom's belly as one cell. And that one cell had something in it magical. It had hydrogen. 
So that one cell decided to become two cells because that's what hydrogen likes to do. It evolves. And it became three and five and seven. It kept growing in the Fibonacci sequence. So every cell in our body has the technology to rebuild our entire body because we were only one cell. But you got to unlock it. You got to learn to unlock that cell. And just like one day we'll learn that we can unlock hydrogen and rebuild the entire universe from hydrogen. And keep reading on that. I bet you'll hear the word hydrogen a lot now. Mm -hmm. uh, it's showing up everywhere. Since I had that like clear realization, I was like everywhere. My friend, Yogi friend started sending me articles about hydrogen for fuel, hydrogen for this, hydrogen for that. But because we were one cell, every cell in our body has that technology to rebuild our entire body. We just got to unlock it. Um, so I really believe uh, getting body work and sound therapy, ohm, doing our own vocal toning can actually unlock that, that energy. And I think there's something very sacred about our sacred sacrum, Jackson. Like we always in yoga, we're coming out of the mind, down the spine, and we're coming to our sacred sacrum. I really believe behind our belly button, we hold undesignated cells, stem cells. And when we practice yoga, we squeeze mulabans, we engage the root lock, we open up the channels through our fascial tissues. These undesignated cells go out and they rebuild. They make our body young and fresh and new again. So I think there's something sacred about the sacrum. And I think the more time we spend on the mat focusing on our sacred sacrum and the more time that we get our body into a state like that neuroplasticity we talked about into a state in which it's open and ready to heal the traumas behind us. We've let go of the past. We've stretched out the front line. We're coming forward authentically. We're engaging those deep muscles in the hips. We're rolling the shoulders back and we're like a flower blossoming. Yeah, I love that. And it's it's like we're becoming water, right? Like the hydrogen cell, like just that it's whole so... shapeless, formless flow of water that can meander and is open to that movement wherever it may go. And it's not stuck, but we just have to break through those those dams that are holding back that flow. Absolutely. And I love how you said that because one day in meditation, I had a great realization that the river is life. The river is such a great teacher. When life starts, it's like the river. It starts out of nowhere out at the top of the mountain. And at first, what do you see? Waterfalls. You see chaos. But as life goes on, or as you follow the river down, you get longer spans between those dams those rapids and then eventually out to the ocean right and then sunshine's on the ocean happens all over again yeah so i like to the river is my great teacher yeah yeah the, the element of water and the the rivers and the lakes and everything such a profound teacher mm -hmm. yeah so to cap off the show Devin, i like to ask when you hear the words live thrivingly what comes to your mind? Um, well, the word live is a very powerful word because it's so easy to exist nowadays. There's so many of us and because we're a collective consciousness, each one of our intentions and our visions are bouncing off each other. If we can't hold that vibration, it's easy to just exist. Um, I like to think that, um, you know, when we come up against discomfort in life, we have two options. We can meditate on that discomfort because it's coming. You know, it's coming. Life's uncomfortable and we can learn lessons or we can medicate over that discomfort. Um, and I find the way a lot of people are medicating addiction, of course, um, but also perversion. That one comes up a lot and distraction. Distraction is such a fantastic way to medicate over discomfort and miss the lessons of life. So when we are distracting when we are in addiction or perversion or any of these things, we are not living. We are existing. And thriving is such a beautiful, juicy word. Thriving. I love the idea that we are here to thrive. I like to say your soul has a goal. The universe wants nothing more than to help you achieve it. But what you have to do, what we I had to do is realize these two different dimensions that were existing, um, one that was full of train wrecks and accidents and injuries, and the other one that was full of miracles and synchronicities and coincidences. And when we're thriving, if we become tuned into those little synchronicities and we become a synchronicity hunter, we see these little it's like my friend will say you're, you're either in karma or dharma. You are either walking your path thrivingly or you're paying your debt. So the minute we find 
find our, we are paying our debt. We're in that thought karma. We can practice gratitude, connect to what we love and what we're grateful for, because that's the highest vibration that we can make my hydrogen make. Love and gratitude together is the highest vibrational state so far. Um, and when we're in that state, we are exactly like you say, we're li we live thrivingly, like we're, we're thriving. We're winning. I love that. Thank you so Thank much. You. You're so welcome. It's been such a pleasure having you on here, Devin. Um, if you'd let the viewers know how they could connect with you, where they can find you at. Okay, lovely. I would love to. Devin Bennett on Facebook. Pretty pretty plain chain. Uh, B-E-N-N-E-T-T-D-E-V-O-N. Um, so Devin Bennett on Facebook. On Instagram, I'm Sound and Plant Medicine Yoga Guy. I'm a little harder. Hit me through Facebook. We can do a circle. Uh, Sound and Plant Medicine Yoga Guy. Um, I have a website. It's um, www, of course, microdosingmushroomsnanaimo.com. Um, so microdosing mushrooms Nanaimo, that's N-A-N-A-I-M-O, nanaimo.com is my website. Um, or you can do a Google search. Um, it's um, sound and massage therapy Nanaimo. That goes to my sound therapy and massage stuff. Um, or you can reach out to Jackson. This fantastic guy might help you to get in touch with me if you want to get in touch with me. Or you can just pray. Pray. And I find that that, that works better than all of this uh, all of this grasping and efforting. Yeah. So um, those are a few ways to get a hold of me. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for sharing those. If you are in the dimension of lessons right now, if you are experiencing accident, injury, or disease, or any of these things are plaguing your life, um, please reach out to me. I've created a 21-day online program called Reset, Rebuild, Rejoice. In 21 days, I can teach you how to master evolution, how to get back in that flow, how to use a practice of gratitude, how to set your North Star dream, how to use the habit of beginning with the end in mind to craft the life that you deserve, how to write the life that you want and deserve. Um, so um, yes, practice gratitude is a great uh, way to do it. Just keep writing things you're grateful for and it'll just keep bringing you back up to these high vibrational states where these little synchronicities are coming. And I like to say, document your synchronicities. Every time you get that parking spot, every time that things go right, write it down because most of the world, I find a lot of the world is paranoid right now. Um, and I'm pronoid. If you see those synchronicities, you write them down. That would be my last thing. Uh, yeah, I put pen to paper. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much. My pleasure. Aho. Aho. It's so nice to see you again, my friend. You have such a nice light around you.